Today we're going to discuss the virgin birth, but it's more specifically, we're, we're, we, we've got a purpose that we're trying to achieve, and so we'll go ahead and put that out in front so that no one gets lost. Um, we're going to address the question of whether Jesus carried the DNA of a human being through Mary, and then depending on the answer that we get with that, whether or not Jesus could still be our kinsman redeemer. Does that seem like a good... Mm -hmm. All right, That's so where do we want to start on that, Seth? <clears throat> well, I think, I think the best place to start is always at the beginning. And if, you'd like, if you want me to open that up... Well, I think the, the, as far as uh, subject-wise, we need to start with identifying how sin nature is, is carried. I mean, do we have to commit sin? The, the sin nature being carried on from one person to another. Well, that is a... That's uh, well, you get another one of these issues that to me is almost should be self-explanatory, hmm. but it isn't. Um, the, the I believe the Bible teaches, as the psalmist said, I was born in sin and in sin did my mother conceive me. Amen. Uh, that's not making a remark about how children are conceived. No. Uh, as being sinful. That's telling us that we are, as we are, before we come into the world, before we breathe oxygen, there, there's something in our nature that is wrong. And that, that this, this twisting, this fallen part of human nature goes all the way back to the events in the Garden of Eden that are found in uh, the, the third chapter of the book of Genesis. So I, I think, and I hope everybody can see without going into too terribly much detail, that, and, and, and you know, it's an emotional thing to some people because you look at a little baby and always he's perfect and he's innocent and well in a sense he is but in the theological sense he isn't mm -hmm. he's fallen he's uh, he has fallen from the original nature and the way that god created the original pair so we, we have this condition that is inherited i think paul makes it very clear we're probably going to touch on it later on in the book of romans well, I do have a, a, a Old Testament confirmation verse to what you just said in Psalm 51.5. It says, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, mm -hmm. and in sin did my mother conceive me. And again, I don't think that, that David's saying that my mom was a prostitute or something, and no. this was some sort of a sinful, this was a, a healthy marriage, that, and conception took place as God ordained in it. In the perfect and normal fashion. What he's, right. what he's speaking of is that, that at my conception, I am, I am completely engulfed in sin nature. Mm -hmm. And I, probably parents can see this maybe better than, than someone who's not. Uh, when you, it doesn't take a child very long and they don't really have to have an example to learn how to tell lies, mm -hmm. conceal things, do what, whatever it takes to manipulate to get their way. So, uh, you know, an observer ought to be able to say, well, there's something in human nature that is causing this problem. That's why the, the, uh, if you've studied any historical theology, you know, the, the Pelagian position that, oh, man's born perfect and you just, you're perfect until you commit a sin. Well, why do you commit the sin? You know, that, it's almost like a dog chasing its tail. Uh, you... you we, we commit sin because we're sinners. We're born that way. <laughs> yeah. 
That's a good, and, and the reverse of that with Adam, Adam and Eve without a tempter, which is, I think, a very important point when it comes to the new kingdom. Mm -hmm. What keeps us from starting it all over again, this terrible situation we're in? Well, the, the, diff, the key is the tempter. Adam and Eve, in their perfect condition, in and of themselves, did not know how to sin. Right. They didn't, they just didn't know, and they had to be shown. And so in the kingdom, we're going to eliminate the shower, the, exactly. the tempter. And a, a little human being, no matter how cute and how darling they are, they really don't have to be shown. No, they don't. They just know. They do not. And I mean, I don't know if we could attach sin nature to the very first cry that they have. But I mean, the moment that they can really start using their muscles, mm -hmm. they begin to exp um, exhibit temper tantrums and mm -hmm. things of that nature. It does not take long. and. They do not have to be shown because I promise you, mom and dad, if they have any salt about them at all, they're not going to teach their children because it makes their life more difficult. So these kids are picking this up on their own because it's already there. Right. And then, of course, to hammer that home, I, th I think probably should read Romans chapter 5. Um, well, even, even if just hit verse 12. Wherefore, as one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all man for this and this is the key word i mean these are hard words but this is the key word for that all have sinned all have sinned we are mm -hmm. all sinners and we we're sinners from the beginning we we're sinners from before the beginning and it all came in through the genetic package of adam right i believe it's pretty uh, uh, it's, it's very obvious to me, at least, that that's what, that is what the Bible is teaching. Mm -hmm. And then I have some, I don't know if you want to expand some more, but I have some verses out of Job. I'm, I'm going to beat a dead horse with Job. I've got like three of them. But uh, he, he uses such good words to kind of emphasize, at least from Job's perspective, the uh, fallen nature of the human of, conception of the human process. So in, uh, jo I believe Job 1.4... It actually doesn't seem right, but let me see what we got here. No, that's probably not the right one. But anyways, how about Job uh, 15, 14? Just move over here to the page. Job 15, 14, it says, What is man that he should be clean? And he which is born of a woman that he should be righteous? And this is a, a question. Mm -hmm. He's basically saying it is impossible to be born of a woman, specifically has nothing to do with the woman nature, but rather to be born in the physical world through the, the physical the process way. and right. to be cleansed and to be righteous. And then a, another verse, 25, or chapter 25, verses, uh, I believe, 4. Let's see here. 4 through 6. To whom hast thou, not 26. How can a man be justified with God? Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? That mm -hmm. term again. Behold, even to the moon and its shineth not, yea, the stars are not pure in his sight. How much less man that is a woman, the son of man, which is a worm. So there we have. I think the, the Bible testimony is very clear that the, the core of the problem and you know this goes into things like why the as i hope we're going to touch on this later too that that it was never god's plan that the blood of bulls and goats was going to actually take away sin mm -hmm. 
much less could any man, you know, I couldn't die for your sins. You couldn't die for mine. And why? Why? Because we're all fallen. That's we're right. All, all fallen. All are fallen. It would take a, the, the, the sacrifice had to be perfect. So I guess the ultimate question would be, can, does it have, to, I mean, can we have a half-tainted individual come into this world and be sinless? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, everyone has to kind of decide that on their own. All we can do is, is throw out some verses here. But my personal opinion is, is no. So I believe that we're building the, of the best case that we can, that for Jesus to be connected to Mary DNA through her egg, and I, I guess I didn't grow up with this, so I, I'm not sure that I can explain this exactly how maybe the mainstream world would, would see it, because it kind of seems awkward, but that somehow the Holy Spirit sperm and, uh, was part of Mary's fallen egg, and then from that mm-hmm. we have Jesus. I don't think that we can come to that conclusion, because if we do, which I know a lot of people are very comfortable with that, this, but if we do, what we've read, we have to say that Jesus came into this world with sin nature. Well, see, it, this leads into a couple of problem areas, one of which, and there are some of the uh, ancient Christological heresies touched on this, that um, of how exactly the nature of Christ is, how, how he functioned. There were a lot of... Uh, erroneous ideas and interpretations of the early three or four centuries of Christianity mm-hmm. surrounding this. Some of it that, well, oh, he had to have a, he had to have a, almost like a split personality. Uh, it, it's difficult to explain how some of these things played out, but men struggled with this. Mm-hmm. And the, the, as it was examined, many of these ideas were found to be very heretical. So, uh, and a lot of it went to the idea, and, and you, you touched on it, and it, this is a problem that's been with us for centuries. It really took root in a Roman Catholic, not to pick on Catholics, but the veneration of Mary almost led to, in a roundabout way, the idea you just touched on mm-hmm. that maybe women don't carry the sin nature. Right. And that, that, that could really lead you down some bad, bad theological roads. And that's why I went to Job, because I wanted to show that at least from Job's perspective, he did not keep the women out of the sin nature right. part but of it. Right, everyone is carrying this. So, so basically what, what we have, what we were looking at from the time uh, of Adam and Eve committed the sin forward, how are we going to solve this problem? No man can be righteous in God's sight. Yeah, and you said it earlier, so that the, the, the blood of the, the um, goats and the sheep were not going to do it. That can't do the trick. And their blood of man couldn't, couldn't do, it do it either it. because they were fallen. And if we buy the idea that Jesus is carrying Mary's DNA requires us at least, at least requires us to maybe say that Mary was perfect, and I think Catholicism kind of pushes that they had to, that idea. They logically had to do that, and that's r- ridiculous and unbiblical because we just read a verse that says all have sinned, mm-hmm. including Mary. So we get rid of that. So that means that that Jesus is, in fact, a fallen 
being maybe someone could argue the fact, well, he's not as fallen as you because he has the Holy Spirit as the dad. Well, I get that would be way better, but he's still fallen to somewhat. And so technically he really wouldn't be a a good enough sacrifice. Well, see, Nathan, the, the problem, and one, one of the real logical problems with that is ancient paganism was completely full of that idea. There were a lot of stories about, you know, you can hear, you can read the, the Greek legends of uh, Perseus and Hercules. They were demigods. <laughs> their father was a god, their mother was, you know, the, the, the pagan world had already gone all deep, deep into that idea. Mm-hmm. And they, they weren't perfect either. They had, they had some neat abilities, but they weren't perfect. But that's not what the Bible's talking about at all. So the, 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 uh, essentially, when you get down to it, that's somewhat of a pagan idea. Okay, yeah, I'd agree. It really is. But I've, I've, I've had, and this was not just one person, but a multitude, not a large multitude, but they were trying to kind of gang up on me, you know, power in the numbers. <laughs> But some individuals that were arguing with me that Jesus broke the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't initially think that they really were, were understanding what they were saying, but they were so caught up on not having to keep the Sabbath that they were desperate to prove that Jesus didn't keep the Sabbath. But to do that, Jesus in, in his walk was still the Old Testament. The, mm-hmm. the New Testament is not, is not ushered in until the cross. So we have an Old Testament perfect sacrifice walking around this wor- world sinning and they were okay with that not recognizing that that destroys their hope of salvation right yeah. Yeah, these type of things seem maybe just flippant or silly at, when you first consider them but there really are some deep theological implications and I think that's where we're at in the world. The very fact that we're having to give a lesson like this probably wouldn't need to be done a hundred years ago, but we're so open to false teachings without, and I don't even know why, I don't know what would attract someone to the idea that Jesus had to carry Mary's DNA, but they are, and not seeing the, the bigger implication that that actually is taking away a little bit of, maybe all of your hope of eternal salvation through a perfect sinless sacrifice. I don't, I don't think that Jesus could be that perfect sinless sacrifice if he had Mary's egg right. utilized in his process. Right. Well, I hope everybody's with us so far. Um, you got about all you have to add to I that think, particular? I think, in that, I think we've covered that, yes. All right. Well, I think that just shift gears now that we, to the best of our ability anyways, established that sin nature passes to all that are genetically connected to this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, am I saying that correctly? I think that's a, yes, that's a fair assessment. So. It, it, the whole world is fallen. And so when we're born into the world, we're, we're born fallen. You know, Seth, I don't think that a lot of people out there really grip that concept of fallen. I don't think they really understand when you use the word total depravity. They don't, they think, well, I'm, I'm, maybe not perfect. And that may be even the words they'll say. I never claim to be perfect, but I don't think they realize how hopeless, helpless, mm-hmm. and dare I say, disgusting we are without Christ. Yes. And they don't want to, they don't want to deal with that. So they begin to, to work them as an individual. They wouldn't, they're not Job. I am a worm. 
They don't have that mentality. They have a mentality that, yeah, I'm not perfect. And maybe I, there's people that have be- better jobs than I do. And maybe <laughs> sometimes I cuss a little bit and so I can improve. But all in all, I'm a pretty good Joe, you know. I mean, I, I feel bad when I see cat videos and someone gets hurt in them, you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm a good guy. And they don't understand that they are deprived of anything good. Yeah, well, there's an interesting, and it was kind of where we were going to lead next, that uh, a man, you know, that I think that we would see as a, real, a very good man, the prophet Isaiah. As a human being, Isaiah would rank up there pretty good. He, he was, seemed to have been a good man his whole life. And when Isaiah saw the Lord... In Isaiah chapter 6, when he was in the Lord's house and he saw, had this vision. It's interesting to me that the uh, Isaiah 6 verse 5, the first thing he said. He immediately said, uh, woe is me for I am undone. That's, and and the inter- that word means I am a thing cut off. Like I, I'm destroyed. Is what he was saying, because I am a man of unclean lips. He immediately mm-hmm. went to knowing something about him that was wrong. He picked out a specific thing. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. So, you know, here was a man that was in the middle of an evil, evil situation and generation of people. He was trying to do the right thing. But when he saw the Lord, he immediately was brought to his mind mm-hmm. the first thing that I'm cut off because I shouldn't be here. I don't have any right to be here. I am, my, my, I'm an unclean thing in the eyes of God. And I, really, that's where we need, that's where we've got to be brought to be, to seeing ourselves in that light. And when we, we have a, the scripture presenting us that Christ is the perfect sacrifice, and there, there's no fault found in him, okay, how did he get there? Why, why, why is he the, the man? And, and keep it in mind that we're talking about Jesus Christ, the man, a human being. He's got flesh and blood. He, he told Thomas to, to, he's got a scar. He, he's like us in that way. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the, I think maybe the problem that uh, people have trying to put this together, that how can he be like me? How did, how did he actually hunger and actually thirst? And how did he, he actually felt fear in uh, Gethsemane. He actually felt pain, all of these things, yet w- uh, without sin. And truly being, as Isaiah said in chapter 7, his name shall be, uh, uh, thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Mm-hmm. And how is he, in, how does he fit into that category? And that's, and we're going to discuss that a little more, but that's, that's a, it's a, Complicated. It, this is not simple. In fact, I kind of equate this entire equation to the like the Trinity. Mm-hmm, somewhat. There, there's, there, you're not going to be able to dot every I. You're not going to be able to cross every T. There, but the main thrust is. It seems to me it's pretty obvious and overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So we, we've got some. We've got a lot of foundation to work with. But there's always going to be the ability to come back and say, well, this wording over here kind of sounds like he was, and this wording over here kind of maybe. Uh, how do you explain that? Well, I can't explain everything. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, my ways are not God's ways. My thoughts are not his. Um, but Jesus, I, I will give a, as, before we shift gears to the next direction, uh, 
Um, here in John chapter 3, verse 6, Jesus himself gives kind of a, an insight to the impossibility of something of this world being able to be used as Christ was. And so right. verse 6, it says, um, as he's talking to Nicodemus here, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And then he goes into saying, we need to be born again. So in essence, he's saying, that which is born in this world, that which is born of the flesh, the physical, the fallen nature, is always going to be fallen nature. Mm -hmm. So if Jesus was born of the flesh, of this world, then he will have that fallen nature. There's right. just no way around. He, I think, in essence, he's saying that right here. And then it says that you need to be born of the Spirit. Well, how does that happen? Well, we are able to be born of the Spirit for, because our sins have been paid for by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and now we are made vessels for the Holy Spirit because of that. Mm -hmm. If Jesus was fallen, Who's going to pave the way for his sin nature? Exactly. You, you, you get into a, what do they call it, an infinite regression. <laughs> and, and we, we have to avoid that. Yeah. The, the Bible doesn't like that. I want to, I'd like to throw this out. This is an interesting uh, concept, and, and I, I, don't, I don't reckon we have time to make a lot of it. There's been a concept in Christianity for centuries it is very, very popular among the Eastern Orthodox. Uh, the word, it's a Greek word, and uh, just to describe Mary, the, the, the Orthodox people do not pray to Mary like Roman Catholics do. Okay. Uh, and the, the term that's used for her is the, theotokos, which is a Greek word that is very, very difficult to translate into English. Uh, it, it, rough, it roughly means the bearer of God or the God bearer. And the, this word goes back, I, I mean, I think there was examples of this used going back into like the second century AD at the earliest in trying to understand this. That, that the idea was that, that as Christ came and as they were working on the understanding that he must be fully man, but also fully God, and in order to come into the world as a baby and to grow, he had to have one who would, who would bear him into the world right. the natural way. So that sort of leads, okay, well, how did that process start? And I, I do think that the, uh, the Orthodox churches in, in that respect, you know, the, the Greek, the, the Russian, the, those churches that separated so many centuries ago from Rome, um, have really are pretty solid on, on the topic, I, I believe. I'm sure we might find some things we could disagree with them about. But uh, that, that, that this idea that, that Mary is not to be worshipped or to be exalted as, as Roman Catholics tend to do, but that to, if when we're focused on Christ, there's a very special way in which Christ came into the world. Yeah, we, if we re read what Mary her song, mm -hmm. we will see that Mary did not see herself as perfect. No. But that she was overwhelmed that God had taken such favor upon her. She was obviously a very strong young woman. I don't know how specifically old she was, but I'm guessing she was on the younger side. Yeah, I would think. And uh, to be able to take on this, this responsibility and this duty, especially in her betrothal situation, mm -hmm. um, she was, obviously had a high caliber lady. 
but she was definitely not a perfect or saw herself as a perfect person. No, not at all. Well, we want to go ahead and shift gears now. We, we, we built the, uh, the idea that sin passes to all earthly conceptions. So Mary would not be a suitable DNA choice for Jesus. So that means that Jesus must have been a separate creation. So let, let's look and see if we okay. can't um, find some verses in Scripture that will bring about that concept that Jesus was a separate creation. And, and I've got several, but I think we'll, we'll start in the, the shallow end and work our way up a little bit. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 45, And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. This last Adam is Jesus Christ. Before we move on any further than that, I think because the word made is, a lot, is the battleground for some of these individuals that would fight the opposite side. They said, well, it looks as if um, God made Jesus or in a conception type way. Mm -hmm. Well, this gives us kind of a comparison of Adam being made and Jesus, the second Adam, being made, which we would just assume here in a similar manner. Well, Adam was made without a mother and father. He Correct. was a fresh creation. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I would go so far to say that he would be, in every physical aspect, identical to Jesus. And in in Jesus being a, also a second Adam, thus a separate creation, which I, I, I think I can prove without a mother and without an earthly father, but he could still be identical in many ways genetically. Am I, Certainly. I'm, hopefully I'm saying this, except that God can, I, I mean, God can create an apple in one universe and go over here and create an apple in the, another universe, and then we can bring the two apples together in a third universe, and they're going to cross-pollinate just fine. Certainly. If that, if that, if that makes sense. So they, they, they can still be, in my opinion, um, genetically identical, even though they're not technically genetically connected. Well, I, let me say that, that that verse you just read, because I actually had that noted down for, for later, but that's fine. We can, we can talk about it. I always jump the gun. That's perfectly fine, because it's, it's a good verse. If, if you think about it, we, we had the, the first man, Adam. We know, we know who he is. But being that he was, he was the first uh, uh, made of, of his kind, the last uh, phrase in that verse, the, the last Adam, there's, he's the last Adam. There's not going to be another one. So it's done. It's finished. It's completed. And the fact that he's calling him by the same name, the last Adam, he's, what, what was Christ? He was the first of his kind. He's, as the scripture says, the firstborn of many brethren. So that, just the language there, I think, ties together the idea that, he, that this is a, a new creation. Mm -hmm. as, as it is said about us, that when, when we're told that former things are passed away, you are become a new creation in Christ. And, and uh, Paul uses that language a lot about being in Adam versus being in Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, in Adam is sin and death and, and the, all the things of fallen nature. And in Christ is life, righteousness, and the things that go along with the new nature. Uh, and and the, the, the new nature is, I think, what you were driving at is to be part of that new creation. Right. And in, in verse 46, it, it does kind of break down, as we also read in John chapter 3 earlier, that uh, 
the nature of the creation is different. That mm -hmm. one is natural and one is more is spiritual, Jesus being the spiritual creation. Right. Not spiritual as we might hear from, oh, that what spiritualize that, which means hopes and dreams, <laughs> but something de dealing with the spirit the sp world. Yes, the spirit realm. That's different from our, this physical world of matter and, and, and decay. And uh, John chapter 3, verse 31, back at John, it, it reads here that uh, he that cometh from above is above all. We're talking about Jesus. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. So again, here we have a, a reference that there's people of the world and then there's me, which I am from above and I'm above all. There's, there's a distinct separation of Jesus and mm -hmm. this world. And uh, he also said, I can't remember where, but he says that, that he, he is not of this world. Right. And uh, Nathan, um, the, we just a little over a week ago, I guess it was, took, uh, maybe it was just a week, no, it was less than a week ago when we, we observed the atonement uh, and we heard about what Christ said, I will give my flesh and my blood. My flesh is meat indeed. My blood is drink indeed. When he, there's a lot of language, if you think about it, when it's used, like when he said that, that so offended the mm -hmm. Pharisees. So, and, if, and, and, even, and the disciples. Even some of his the disciples, followers, some many of his will followers. Will cease to walk with me. Yes, because they were so confused and put off by this. Uh, if, if you take it, in the vein of what you just said, he's saying you've got to be a partaker of the flesh and the blood of which he has, right? To be in the kingdom, mm -hmm. that the flesh and the blood of the, the which we have is just not fit for it. So that that's it brings us, you know, to the idea that that is a, has been fairly common in a lot of streams of Christianity. The that they call it the already but not yet tension. That to be in Christ, we're already there, but we, we're still walking around in our physical flesh and blood bodies right. until we are made new again. Yeah, he, he, and, and then John eight twenty three kind of gives a confirmation verse. These are actually the words of Jesus. And Jesus said unto them, ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. Mm -hmm. So if Jesus carried earthly, fallen earthly DNA from his mother's egg, mm -hmm. he would also be of this world. Right. I, don't, I don't think I'm stretching these verses. I think that this is, this is what scripture is teaching, mm -hmm. that Jesus, we may not be able to fully understand it all, but I think scripture is teaching that Jesus, the man, is uniquely different than Nathan, the man. Right. And not just because he had more willpower but he started different. I think that's exactly what we have to, we have to see there. Do you have some, a verse that you're really going to offer do. there? Or, because I've got another one if you don't. No, you, you continue. Okay, go, well, go let's, right let's, let's turn to Hebrew. Going. This is, this is going to be pretty much where I, I'm going to, well, I'm going to, you know, I've, I've offered all that I know to offer. There's more, there is more to offer, but uh, we could burn up a lot of time. But if we turn to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 20, 
and I'm, we're going to be coming back here in a little bit, but for now, 6 verse 20, um, we have these verses here. It says, uh, and then we're going to go into chapter 7 as well. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Okay, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the, the slaughter of the kings, that's back in the king's war, the bless, and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave the tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, king of peace. Now, this is, this is, we're talking about the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. the story that we're talking about. And, and I think it's going to confirm that here in just a second. But here's what it says about this particular individual. And this is Hebrews, the New Testament. Mm -hmm. We're under the new covenant. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither a beginning of days and end of days, but made like unto the Son of God, and abideth a priest continually. Now, if Jesus, and, and, and that's our very last part of this whole session, is we're going to connect Jesus as our kingsman redeemer. So I, this is complicated, but this is clearly showing that Jesus has no earthly mother. This is not talking spiritual. This is talking about us in this world. And it's telling the story of something that happened in the days of Abraham. That individual is not genetically connected to this world, has no descent has no family tree mm -hmm. per se, yet he does have a family tree because through that family tree we are are saved as through the kinsman redeemer. But that's that's coming next. Don't want to complicate that. But for all intents and purposes, now this is saying that Jesus does not have earthly DNA; that he I is a, com something yes. completely separate from how we would measure a family tree. He doesn't have that. I think that's um, exactly the point. You know, the, the same book, I had a note, note here over in chapter 10 of Hebrews. We already mentioned chapter 10, verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. And then, again, this whole thing, we're talking about the Savior, we're talking about Christ. Mm -hmm. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, who is he? Jesus. He saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. So, in other words, it's not that the sacrifices were bad or shouldn't have been done. God said to do that. But that wasn't, that was not the ultimate point. But what is the next phrase? You say, but a body hast thou prepared me. Hmm. And it could hmm. also read, hmm. it's an interesting note here, a body hast thou fitted me. In other words, that that God Almighty, the he, he prepared a man. He prepared a body for, for Jesus Christ to inhabit and to walk through this world in. And as, as you, I think we've, we've hopefully been showing, that isn't simply generated from the existing sinful uh, genetic material mm -hmm. of either uh, a human father or a human mother. Right. Then that's what the scripture is teaching us that. He had to be prepared 
not using the normal process of natural generation. Mm -hmm. The pair there will also be formed, made, mm -hmm. created, a lot of these words that one might use to argue right. the other side, but that th this is a, seems like to be a separate, a separate function. Absolutely. Well, you have any more to, to offer on that on the, that particular bullet point? Well, one thing that, and I think hopefully this might just uh, zip it together in Romans four seventeen. This is a phrase to remember. The the specific application of this verse, we're discussing Abraham. But I'm going to read the whole verse, but I want to just focus on the end of it. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. And before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Hmm. So now, you know, to say that, well, how can we have a, and I hope this will lead if you are ready to start discussing the issue of the kinsman. Yes. How can it be? How can we have a, a kinsman in this way? Well... We have a statement here about a God who calleth those things which be not as though they were. So things that are impossible to happen. Things that are impossible with happen. men are possible with God. Right. And when, when there is a certain sense in which our human logic and ability to understand things, we, we do run up to the limits of it. And I, I, I think and I don't want to be too speculative. <laughs> but I do believe that Paul gives us a little bit of, a, of an insight into this where he speaks of the, the, the power, whether he be talking of the Roman government or whether he be talking of spiritual powers, that had they known these things, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In a sense, God playing by, quote, the, the rules that he had laid out outthought and outmaneuvered man's sin, the devil's machinations and everything else. Mm -hmm. There's a sense, I think, in which we can say that. Absolutely. So if, uh, hopefully that might lead us into this idea of how Christ can be the kinsman redeemer. Okay, so, so far with the time we have spent, we've, we've shown to the best of our ability anyways that Jesus, if he's connected to Mary in some way, that he carries fallen, sinful nature to some extent. Mm -hmm. And then we've shown that it is very, it, you're not um, committing intellectual suicide by saying that, well, Jesus was born of Mary, but wasn't a was not part of this world, mm -hmm. but was a new creation that was placed in Mary for Mary, but totally separate from the fallen world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that brings us then to the, the kinsman redeemer. Then how can Jesus be the kinsman redeemer? And those verses are actually the most obvious ones of all. Mm -hmm. But again, before we get into it, it, it's a lot like the Trinity. It's a, it's, it's, it makes sense to me, but I can see why if we lock our, when we lock God into our fallen thinking box, this becomes impossible. A, can become a real problem. But when we allow God to just be God and to do things the way he's going to do them, this is a very possible thing as we're going to see. So I, I would start here with uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15, verse 45. Or rather, I'm sorry, yeah, no. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19. 
if this life only we have hope in Christ, we are, all, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and became the first fruit of them that slept. From, from since by man came death, but by man came also the resurrection of the dead. So now we've, we've got Jesus, the man, being claimed to bring the resurrection of the dead. Mm -hmm. The physical body of Jesus was died, and the physical body of Jesus rose up out of that grave and then walked here on earth for 40-some days. Correct. For 40-some, 40, 40 days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, in the, and, but what it says here, it says he's the first fruit. Now, I don't want to spiritualize this, but let's just look at this, we'll say this potential analogy that's being said. When Jesus rose up from the grave and presented, presented himself before the Father in heaven, he presented himself as the first fruit of the resurrection. Right. So there's many more to come. I think it's only logical to assume that if I was, when we celebrate first fruits here as well, and we bring out our, our first fruits of the garden, if I was to go to your garden and harvest some lettuce, and even though I'm growing lettuce in my garden, I was to get it from you and then I bring it to the front and say this is the first fruit of my garden, that wouldn't really line up. Right. Okay, it doesn't matter. It's still, still lettuce, the same kind of lettuce maybe. Maybe I got the seeds from you. But what, what matters is, is that it represents my garden. So Jesus is the first fruit of his people. Mm -hmm. So he has to be connected to the garden somewhere in order to be the first fruit of the garden. Right. So I think this is, we'll say, the uh, shallow end of the pool introduction that Jesus is also claiming to be a relative of us, of his people. Does that make sense? Certainly, to me. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the rule has to be that, you know, anyone could. And this, without getting too far off the topic, this is how the, the subject, if you've ever looked at the subject of the, of the kinsman redeemer. Insofar as they touch it at all, the modern church, in my estimation, has made absolute havoc of it. Because to say that if we're saying that Jesus Christ can, is the redeemer of anyone and everyone who can walk upright and speak, but he's a kinsman, well, that becomes a logical impossibility. That, that renders mm -hmm. the word doesn't have any meaning. If everybody's my brother, then nobody's my brother. Uh, it, 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 words mean things. And so if Christ is this kinsman redeemer, he has to be part of this. You know, even in ancient Israel, you couldn't just redeem your best friend from the other tribe that, where they lived across the river. It had to be a kinsman redeemer. So if, if, if Christ is presented in this light, he has to be, there's no way around. He has to be a kinsman in, a, in that sense to those to whom he is redeeming. So he has to be related to. He us. has to be related, exactly. And I know we God just, had to, we to to make him that way. Spent a, over a half hour just trying to prove to you that he's not related to us. <laughs> well, that's, that, not, that's, that's how some would interpret that, but that's, that's not, not what, what we did. And and when I use the analogy or, or not the analogy, but the, kind of the point earlier that it's possible for God from my understanding of God, and there's a lot about God I don't understand. So just from my little understanding of God, that the first Adam and the last Adam can be genetically identical, mm -hmm. but still not be 
genetically connected. Mm -hmm. But let me read these verses here to, to kind of push your point. It's getting dark in here, so I have to pull the glasses out now. <laughs> um, to what you were just saying in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 7, we're back there again. Hebrews has so much to say on this topic. It, it really nails, I wish we could just go through Hebrews and we wouldn't even have to discuss all this. But Hebrews chapter 7, beginning at verse 11. Okay. If therefore perfection were by the Levitic priesthood, for under it the people received the law. With further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek, which we've discussed a little earlier already, and not, and not be called after the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being charged there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth another tribe, tribe of Judah, because the, the, the priesthood of Aaron is under Levi. So now all of a sudden mm -hmm. we've got Melchizedek's um, priesthood. It's not going to be under Levi. Okay, mm -hmm. it's going to be of Judah or another tribe of which no man gave uh, attendance at the altar. So Judah didn't have a participation in the priestly duties. Right. And okay, so, so going on, for it is evident that our, Lord in, that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. Jesus sprang out of Judah. This is to me, a clear-cut example that it's, it's saying that, because he didn't have to say this. He could say, well, the, the, the um, priesthood of Melchizedek is, is, is Jesus, and Jesus sprang out of Jesus, or out of God, or whatever you want to do. But it specifically says that he comes out of the tribe of Judah. Right. Because he is, in all legal terms, he broke the matrix of Mary into the family of Judah. Mm -hmm. So he is a legitimate Judahite and a, the, the, the rightful heir of the throne of his father, David. And also, as he just said in the book of Hebrews, the priest mm -hmm. that maketh intercession for us before God. He united those two things in, in one. And it's, again, not to get off topic, but it's interesting that Christ... If you, if you think about the, the furniture that was found in the tabernacle and the temple, there was a lot of things in there, but there wasn't a chair. Priest never sat down because his duty was never mm -hmm. finished. But never he said finished. that when, when Jesus made intercession for us, he sat down at the right hand. He was finished. Uh -huh. it, it's all of these things, these little bits and pieces tie together to show that, that our, our kinsman did the, did the task and he, he sat down because the task was completed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and back up a little bit in, to Hebrews chapter 2, starting at verse 5. And we said, For unto, unto the angels he hath not put in a subjection the world to come, wherefore we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels, Thou crownest him with the glory and with honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for, he, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not pure under him. But now we see yet all things put under him. Uh, there's a lot to read there, so I'm going to skip down to... Um, 
to, to verse 18. Well, now I'm going to go down to verse 16. Okay, here, here, here it is. For verily he took not, this is Jesus. We had kind of what I was reading before, a, a, a description of how Jesus was not made like angels. Okay, so mm -hmm. talking, this is, we're talking about create, creation. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're talking about genetics, but we're not necessarily, he wouldn't come directly from an angel. He's saying this is, God's going to put together a genetic being, but it's not going to be an angel. It's going to be a little lonely talking about us. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've already shown that it's separate from the rest of the world so that he can be without sin. But then it says right here, verse 16, for verily he took not on him the nature of angels, repeating what we've read earlier, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Right. So, let's see if I can word it this way. Scripture says that sin nature passes to all in this world. Scripture shows that Jesus was not of the saint, was a separate creation, was not born through the processes of this world, conceived through the processes of this world. Then, God says, Jesus is the seed of Abraham. Mm -hmm. Okay, again, I can't dot all the I's and cross all the T's, I can only tell you what scripture says, but there is no question that Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Why? Because God said so. <laughs> God said so. Well, uh, as he said in Romans 4, 17, he, he calleth those things which are not as though they, as though they mm -hmm, were. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And he is God and he, he can do that. And I praise his name for it because God did for us what we could never have done for ourselves. Well, Seth, let me throw this thought out for you. If you go to a, a mainstream Christian church, and I've dealt with many individuals in this particular subject, when you ask them about the, uh, the genealogy listed in Matthew, okay, the, uh, this, this is the answer that I've gotten, I've, and this has almost been 100% across the board, so I'm assuming this is a pretty common understanding of, of, of what this means. So, you, so I'm coming from the perspective, well, it seems like to me that, this, that Jesus is related to only a certain group of people, and that that's who this Bible is written to, for, and about. What's your explanation? And so their explanation is that that genealogy proves that prophecy is true. Okay. So that's all they're interested in, is that prophecy is true. Mm -hmm. Now, the, prof that, and the prophecy that I want to uh, read, let me read it here. I'm in uh, Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, henceforth even forever at forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So this is saying that Jesus will come in the line of David. Now, we already read that there mm -hmm. in Hebrews, and that is true if we go through the genealogy of Joseph or we go through the genealogy of Mary, coming to the line of David. But what makes this unique, this particular prophecy, is that it's not just any part of David's family tree, but that it has to come through his 
royalty right. line. All right? So, so hear me out. And so they say, well, that's what Matthew is, 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 is confirming, is that this Messiah is of this prophecy coming through the royal line. Now, if we want to get so they, they technically accept that Jesus is a legitimate offspring of the royal line of David. Mm-hmm. Would you say that that's true with your interaction with? Yes. Okay. Any Mary's line is, not, is of David, but Mary's line, the one that we're going to argue about, the, the, the egg and the DNA, is not of the royal line. It's of the line of David, so but not of the royal kinship, line. Yeah. So Jesus gains his fulfillment of this prophecy through the line of Joseph. Yet we know, for 100, unless we're just going to throw the Bible completely out, we know 100% that Joseph is not any part of this process, genetically speaking. Yet, scripturally speaking, it's through Joseph that Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. Mm -hmm. So I I say if if we can wrap our heads around that one, I don't know why it's such a a big stretch to wrap our heads around the whole concept that if, if the father that's obviously not the father, is the father in which Jesus in scripture and God is saying this is the line that he's going to be identified with, why can't it be also on Mary's side as well? Mm-hmm. And it can be. And the answer is simple. It can be. It certainly can, right. I think probably, I would imagine maybe many, uh, like you said, mainstream uh, churches, maybe they don't even consider the issue. It's some, uh, to be perfectly honest, it, it they, was, they do more than, you, than I, I've found out that they do. Well, it, it was not a thing until you and I started really talking about it over the past few weeks that I had put an immense amount of thought into. But um, it's some, probably something we need to think about. Yeah. How, how does, you, because God takes the trouble to explain these things to us, and how can we, if, if we believe in Christ, we believe He is saved, uh, saving us and from our sins and our fallen nature. Uh, we need to think about, well, well, how does He do these things? Because mm-hmm. God, God took the trouble to tell us. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do think when it comes to the kingdom and redeemer, it's just it's, it's more about just being willing to accept God, God's way, because mm-hmm. He's telling us He came as the seed of Abraham, Ab- the seed of Abraham. Um, that he is the fulfillment of the prophecy that he's going to come into the divinic kingly line. Mm-hmm. That's the Joseph. And, and then I think as we have just about run out of time, I'm going to offer this one last verse. And this is not all the verses that we could really... Uh, it, there's a lot out there. I've, 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 the verses that I brought, which are quite a few, have, have been boiled down. And I'm even skipping some that I have written down. Written down. But for time's sakes, I would like to close with this verse. And then you can mull it over what you think, how this works. But I'm in in Luke chapter 2, verse 21. And this is discussing Jesus. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, the child being, oh, it's going to tell us, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in his womb. And when the days of purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This is a family Israelite process. Mm -hmm. Jesus was baptized as an Israelite, not a stranger, 
but he was baptized according to the customs, born into Israel on the eighth day, baptized as an Israelite. And this is however the thinking of God is that's beyond me. It is clear to me that God saw Jesus as our kinsman. All right. And I don't know if you have anything to offer. No, he, I, I think about, that's probably where we need to conclude that he had to do that. And that's the reason that we can today have salvation. If we, did, if we didn't have a kinsman, we wouldn't have a redeemer. It's really just that simple. All right. Well, if you've got nothing else, then that's all I think we've got time and thought for today. And we thank you for your time and hope you gain something from this of, of value.